Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Crazy Money. On this week's episode, we attack and unpack the issue of money in college sports. As you may or may not be aware, up until last year, no college athlete could legally, officially accept compensation for playing uh, a sport at his or her college. Well, that all changed last year with the Supreme Court ruling that now allows college athletes to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness. And so thus entering the picture are outside groups with a lot of money that they want to give to college athletes. This includes brands like Dr. Pepper, Adidas, Degree Deodorant, and dozens, dozens more, and organizations called collectives, which are groups of donors and alumni who want to contribute directly to the athletes so their teams win championships, right? And it also is interesting because each state in our union is approaching the issue differently. So the laws differ by state and by institution. Here to break it all down for us is Darren Ravel. He is a sports reporter that you might know best from his 18 years on the air with CNBC and ESPN. He is now a senior executive producer at the Action Network. He's been writing and talking about college sports since he was in college at Northwestern, and he's going to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly of the name, image, and likeness issue, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Also, to help us understand how the different stakeholders operate and think, joining us is John Staten, who is the Director of Operations at Classic City Collective, an organization of donors and alumni dedicated to helping the athletes at the University of Georgia, which John used to be. He was, in fact, a member of the George Bulldogs 2021 National Championship football team, and so he's got a unique perspective on the whole issue. On today's show, Darren, John, and I discuss how the transfer portal uh, effectively makes every college player a free agent. We talk about how many NIL deals are happening, who they're happening for, and how big they're getting. We discuss how collectives interface with athletic departments. We talk about whether money might poison relationships in the locker room within teams and just what this world might look like five years down the road. It has already changed college sports so much in just like a year and a half. Who knows what the future holds? I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Darren Ravel and John Staten. Darren Ravel, welcome to Crazy Money. Thanks for having me. Darren, let's go back in time to put some context around the name, image, and likeness issue. In 2010, USC running back Reggie Bush had his Heisman Trophy revoked because he violated NCAA rules by accepting gifts from a pro sports agent. In 2014, UGA's Todd Gurley was suspended for profiting off of his own autograph. Let's say a college football fan fell into a deep sleep right after these issues and woke up on January 1st, 2022. How has that world changed? So the world has changed immeasurably. I mean, just to give you some of my background, I've been covering sports business since 1999. And in 2003, I had spoken to Carmelo Anthony, who had just won the national championship, and he had said, well, you know, I, I know what my number is, and I know that's the only number available in the Syracuse bookstore, and that is not a coincidence. So for a <laughs> long time, it, has, it, it, it had manifested itself in two areas, jerseys and video games. Video games because EA had basically loaded the data into these video games, and when Kent State had a player who was five foot four, and believe me, there's not many five foot four football players. When you went to EA Sports, the running back was five foot four. That is not a coincidence. And players thought this. So really the the complaints had been in video games and jerseys, which is funny that even today, now that we have an NIL, 
uh, very few schools are offering video games and jerseys, and that's not where players are now profiting. Who was profiting off those uh, the use of those? EA, the bookstores, the schools. You know, the schools would always argue that it's it's not the name on the back; it's the name on the front. And if you took off off all the elements of our jerseys, it would be worth zero. But you know, there was the opportunity at some point if the NCA would have allowed it to say, "Oh, let's do a half half deal." So basically, what had happened is you had these jersey things going on. Tim Tebow was selling thousands of jerseys, and 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 obviously, um, you know, it was it was clear that it was Tim Tebow, even though you didn't put the name on it. The NCAA says you can't put the name on it, and so what happened was there really the NCAA stuck to their guns. Well, everyone I had ever interviewed said, ah, we're looking into it. We're looking into the Jersey thing, you know, this and that. And the NCAA stuck to their guns. And so what then happened after Reggie Bush and and the uh, everything that you mentioned, Todd Gurley, was that schools after 2015 started shying away from even doing the Jersey thing connected to the player with the number. So then you could walk into the bookstore and then you could only get number one and the year it was in. So the idea was, okay, let's just let's stop doing this. That's the way we do it. And fans kind of revolted in a way, because if you look at the sales, the sales went down. Why do I need need to buy a new jersey with the number one on it or the year? I want the player number. So it wasn't even giving the fan what they wanted. Johnny Manziel hit. I was part of uh, reporting that he signed autographs for money. Um, uh, there was Jameis Winston. and And so at some point, the the fervor got big enough and the lawyers kind of locked in there was a video game lawsuit there was the ed o'bannon lawsuit you know and and eventually the the killer with which was the uh restricted earnings lawsuit of the coaches uh, of players rather uh and that's really what the death knell was here after they after the ncaa lost the supreme court case that said you cannot restrict earnings name image and likeness uh, was all of a sudden on fire and ready to go. The states then uh, made their own decisions as to what they wanted to do. You know, if you looked at it, most of them were, were, were okay, these guys can pretty much do anything and let's just go. So this is the craziest thing. You say, imagine if you woke up from a deep sleep. Well, what about me? I'm covering this for 21 <laughs> years. Right. On, on June 30th, 2021, for my entire reporting life, you better not from 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 the day I started, from the day I left Northwestern in 2000 to June 30th, 2021, ironically, my birthday, you better not send a direct message to a recruit. I mean, you you better not offer him a car dealership deal or something else yet on July 1st, 2021. Oh, yeah. You DM those guys. You offer them a deal. You know, the school doesn't need to know about it until you sign the contract and then they need to see the contract. It is the wildest thing. And I had thought for a long time that the NCAA would have some sort of third party administrator that would say whether a marketing deal was legit or not. Right. Because we're talking about the recruiting scandals and everything else. If I'm a car dealer, and I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the guy. You know, what what are we gonna do? I'm gonna give the guy eight hundred thousand dollars to show up once. And I always thought the NCA would have a clearinghouse that would say, well, is this within the range of what is acceptable? 
But then I just told you about this Alston case, which is restricted earnings, and they can't do that anymore because they can't say what's acceptable. They're not allowed. So all of a sudden you have all of these marketing deals. A lot of them don't make sense. And to me, that was fine. To me, that was fine because it was still name, image, and likeness. So the interesting thing is almost everyone who had done these deals, it doesn't pan out. The quarterback from Clemson, you know, signs a Dr. Pepper national deal. Clemson's not not good. The uh, the quarterback from Miami, Derek King, is the face of NAL. On on at twelve oh one on July first, he signs five deals. He f- founds a company about NIL. Three games into the season, he's out. He's hurt. He's not playing. Uh, <laughs> then you have Sam Sam Howell, the quarterback from UNC. He gets a couple deals. He gets an autograph deal, maybe worth six figures. Uh, you know, into the well into the six figures. Uh, UNC has its worst season in a couple years. Then you got the quarterback from Oklahoma, uh, Spencer Rattler, who has all these deals. He's the first one to sign autographs for money uh, in person at the National in 2021, the National Sports Collectors Convention. Five games into the season, he's replaced. He's not playing anymore. He transfers. You have, I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. JT Daniels, Georgia wins the national championship. JT Daniels, the quarterback, guess what? He's replaced by a walk-on who wins the national championship. And he has an autograph deal, card deal, maybe worth more than a million dollars. So what then happens in these first six months is almost like a buyer beware situation, right? Where it's like, okay, now what happens if I'm in Oklahoma, I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. I did a deal with Spencer Rattler for cars. He's now not the quarterback. Where is my protection here? And then, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but there's just so much here. Then you have to think about the contracts of this. These contracts cannot in any way be tied to performance on the field. Cannot in any way be tied to performance in the field. Cannot in any way be tied to enrollment. So lawyers are saying to me, well, how the heck do I sign a deal? How, I went to, you know, like a lawyer says, I went to law school and these contracts are not legal. Like you can, <laughs> how can you basically say, Spencer Rattler, we're giving you $500,000. It's not tied to your performance. Tomorrow you could leave Oklahoma. We have to give you the $500,000. How is that going to work? And so it becomes like, the, and, and, and that's only the first part. And then, of course, we get into collectives. Let's, well, let's talk about that, because this is where the money is coming from. If, if, with the exception of like uh, Dr. Pepper and Bojangles and big brands, the big money doesn't come from the schools. It comes from collectives. What is a collective and who's, who's involved with these things? You know, basically what happened was, you know, for, for, since the beginning of time, there have been these booster clubs that are kind of tied to the university, kind of not. The university acknowledges it, and, but it could be a private organization. Sometimes they're profit. Most of the times they're nonprofit. But basically, at some point, and it it really started with Texas, how do we use name, image, and likeness to get a kid to the university? Now, this is despite the fact that the NCAA says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to induce a kid to come to the school. Well, everything's already hairy to begin with, so what's wrong with more hair? You know, basically, (laughs) these these collectives start 
and 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 they say let's just let's just make a kitty of funds and let's figure out how much we can raise and then we'll determine like how to fake the NIL deal whether it's charity or not We'll, we'll also, you know, backdating of paperwork has always been a thing where guy signs with an agent before a bowl game. Well, you know, he he really signed a month before, but, you know, you sign it, the, you, 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 you date it, you, you, you date it, you know, one one after his bowl game. So all these collectives say, hey, the, the key power is now we can legally induce. Well, now we can induce a kid using NIL as our guys. And so Tennessee reportedly raises $18 million, these Tennessee boosters. Now, what's interesting about all, all, all this is I, I told you about the, the dichotomy between or the juxtaposition between ju- June 30th, 2021 and June, <laughs> July 1st, 2021. It's almost like the same thing. A lot of the, the, the state laws in some states provide that these groups and, and cannot be talking to the schools. What? So if you're going to induce a player, who's deciding who to induce? Right. And like <laughs> the, the coach can't know. Like what? Like who's, you know, and, and you got these guys, either it's a collective or a booster. You got this booster down in Miami, John Ruiz, who is seems like he is more of a mouthpiece to the University of Miami than Mario Cristobal, who's the coach of the University of Miami. And how do you deal with that? I mean, it's a whole runaway train. He's given all these deals. And I mean, it, it, it is it is completely if we thought we had Wild West before we are having Wild West, too. And and it is just completely outrageous. You have all these schools organizing these collectives and you even have a collective at USC where USC is saying we don't want this collective. We don't even want this guy to raise money. He's never really given us real money. We don't want it. And he's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Well, let's talk about some of the results of these collectives uh, or or the new reality. Okay, Texas A&M. And and not coincidentally, these are all in Texas, right? So Texas A&M, supposedly the 2022 recruiting class is reported to cost about $30 million per year. University of Texas, every lineman, offensive lineman, which seems somewhat arbitrary, by the way, gets $50,000 to support nonprofit causes. Let me tell you why Go that's ahead. not arbitrary, okay? This, right. this, this, this is the craziest thing. So over the last 10 years, especially with Michael Lewis and Blindside and the importance of the left tackle, so with Michael Lewis, Blindside, offensive linemen, offensive linemen are hard to induce because they don't really have any good marketing value. But, but they are very important to your recruiting class. So this was very strategic by by these Texas boosters starting what's called the Pancake Factory, just doing this because they need offensive linemen. And we're not inducing them, by the way. But of course not. if you are of course a scholarship not. player, if you're a scholarship player, you will get $50,000. Well, you know, it, 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 it's it, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like that to me, what was the craziest thing is the guy even admitted who started this that no offensive lineman ever got more than a four-figure NIL deal. Okay, but now you're giving them $50,000? Per year. Yeah, and it's also to do charity. What Mm -hmm. about the optics of paying money to do charity? So, like, all of a sudden, like, these pictures of this kid showing up at a hospital with a sick kid, like, oh, he got paid ten grand for that. Like, do people think about those optics? 
No, they don't. So why? Okay, so so let's talk about. It, it might not be arbitrary that the offensive line gets paid, but how does the defensive line feel about the offensive line getting paid? And what is, what does NIL mean for the product on the field in terms of intra locker room envy and and not having a we're all all for one and one for all on the gridiron? Well, that that's why some coaches have said, you know what, I'm going to stay away from this. I'm going to try to. I'll give my guys as much as we can, but I'm not going to create a system like I'm not going to be like Ryan Day at Ohio State to, who throws out the exact number he needs, 13 million. You know, just the idea that the locker room could be fractured because of this. Now, there are some NIL people say, oh, this is just the narrative that is created by people who don't want to see this happen. It seems to me that, you know, if you're a quarterback and you're getting all the money and what's enabling you to throw and be great is the offensive line and the offensive line gets nothing or the defensive line gets nothing, there, there is some, it's not only uh, about, hey, you know, pay for a, a, a visit to a, a reward the hogs at the steak restaurant. You know, it seems like <laughs> there, are, there will be some fracturing in the locker room. And that's why some coaches say, you know what? We're going to win the division because we don't have a lot of these NIL deals. That that's what we're going to do, right? We're just going to win because because we are a team, and and this will create a whole lot of eyes. So the gasoline on this fire, further complicating the human resources issues the coaches face, is the transfer portal. How is that playing into making this issue even more dire? So I talked about the uh, inducement, right? There and how you cannot induce. Uh, the NCAA has had no rules on the transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal over the past couple years uh, enables a player not to sit out and to immediately play. Which in the past you had to sit out right, for a year right, if you correct. transfer between schools. Correct, correct, correct. So now this creates a situation where a guy can graduate, he can get a fifth year, he can go somewhere else. And then entering the transfer portal essentially lets everyone know that you're a free agent. So now we don't have anything regarding, we have everything on inducement, but nothing regarding staying or leaving. And so you have a situation where what happens if there's a great school, not the greatest football school potentially, but it's in a big conference, guy becomes an All-American and he wants to go to the best football school out there, puts himself in the transfer portal. Letting everyone know he's a free agent, letting the collectives know he's a free agent, letting the schools know he's a free agent, and then there's some sort of offer. So you have a situation, I'm a Northwestern guy, so you, you have a situation where there's a guy like Pete Nance, who uh, is Larry Nance's son, plays well at Northwestern, and then goes on to UNC. The issue now becomes, how do you keep a person there? And how are these funds now keep getting guys to come to your university and that complicates all because because if you are a school and you are a coach who develops great players who turns two stars into four stars once they're four stars do they leave and that that obviously mm. becomes a problem so we've talked about certain team-based play as uh, team-based deals like at Texas and Texas Tech where they're making 25 and uh, or 50 and $25,000 per year for community service. But there's just monster deals like Jaden Rashada's the uh, QB recruit for for Miami looking at a 9.5 million deal dollar deal. You talked about Tennessee's uh, quarterback looking at an 8 million dollar deal supposedly. Below 
supposedly, right? These are all rumored and rumors beget rumors and rumored deals beget bigger deals. How does it work for the average college athlete who's in a non-revenue sport? Well, there's been a whole lot of uh, uh, bloviating about how this will will help these guys. Um, and I think there's deals here and there, but they're thousand dollar deals. Um, you know, there's 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 guys, there's a division three player who's done like a hundred deals at like a hundred dollars each. You know, but this is not <laughs> this, this this is not going to be uh, the 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 one thing that is different is with women. If there is a woman athlete who is essentially a model or someone who is who who has been able to build up their social media to this point, now they can benefit from doing things within their uh, athletic world and sell themselves. So some of the most successful NIL deals have been the the twins who transferred from Fresno to Miami, the Cavender twins, uh, basketball players, um, and uh, Olivia Dunn, uh, the gymnast from LSU. I mean, these guys have cleared seven figures. But it starts with the fact that they were big to begin with, um, you know, that they have a lot of men following them on Instagram. And and so those guys benefit, but the true non-revenue sport athletes don't really, you know, get much from this. This is this this is uh this is a, a rounding era in their world. Well, now the colleges are supposedly agnostic about all this. They're supposed to be staying away from it, but they do have to report these deals. And and this puts them in a very awkward situation, especially when it comes to things like equity and trying to play fair and 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 um you know what is that what does it mean for the college do they have to hire staff to to administer all these things yeah well they've they've beefed up compliance staff but now the ncaa doesn't penalize anything because they're scared to do anything apparently but uh there has not been a huge uh run-up in staff uh what is isn't the most interesting part to me and you just said these they do in fact have to improve approve these deals is the people who they get in bed with, who they're not acknowledging that they're getting in bed with. Like I could just start a collective and say, I'm, um, and mooch their brand name. I'm going to start a Northwestern collective. Like, and all of a sudden my brand gets involved with their brand. Uh, John Ruiz at Miami, like he's, he's, he's part of a kind of a controversial um, stock that hasn't done well. Um, his company Life Wallet has spent millions in marketing and has not reported anything in revenue yet. I'm all of a sudden becoming part of their brand. And and that be that's the biggest issue for these schools. USC saying this guy Dale Rack that's starting student body right, this collective, he's never given to the university. And Dale then saying, well, I've given, but they just haven't seen it, you know, I've given in other ways. And how dare they uh, uh, describe how, how I am as a donor and how much of a fan I am. So, so that's also like a really dangerous part that like, once they accept the deal, they're accepting, they could always, they could have always done marketing deals with the school. Hey, we're going to do it with this auto and whatever, and we're going to put it inside the stadium. There's always been that risk and, and, and that auto dealership could sell 15 lemons and then it associates with the university. Uh, but, but now it's like anyone, any day can start anything and, and say that they're earmarking it to the school and, or its players. And that's, that, that's just another 
wild factor of this. If you think about positive implications of this program, you might have to struggle to do that. One might be that it's just shining a light on what's always happened in, in college sports. And the other might be that being paid as a college athlete lowers the incentive to go to the pros right away. Do you buy that yes. argument? Do you buy either of those arguments? Yeah, some, I mean, some of it, listen, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a, a guy on Illinois basketball team, Kofi Coburn, who, you know, you get enough NIL money, he stays for a fifth year, you know, and so you you, you could be more developed. I do think that I'm not against, by the way, I'm, I am not against athletes getting paid money. I, I am against it not being name, image, and likeness and being called name, image, and likeness. I, I'm against the masquerading here. Like, this is, this is not what it was intended to be. Uh, it, it turned into a free market system. And by the way, that will, I believe that will solve itself um, just by time. Tennessee raises $18 million. They go six and seven. Do you think they're going to have eighteen million dollars in twenty twenty three? I'm going to say no. Um, so, so over time, I think there's going to be certain ways that this bears itself out. I am happy for the legit name, image, and likeness deals, but the free market stuff seems kind of sleazy. If you want to do free market, do free market. Call it what it is. Don't have these guys go to school. We are younger professional league right under the major leagues. Don't have these guys go to class. Not worth it. They're just a representative of the university and they play for money. Yeah. What, what implication does this have for high school sports? Well, it depends on what state you're in. Uh, if NIL is allowed in the state in high school, you know, kids are going to start cashing in in high school. Quinn Ewers, uh, who is in Texas, uh, Texas didn't allow high school guys to cash in. So he starts a little bit early at Ohio State and cashes in. You're going to have people you, 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 you've had since the beginning of time, you've had kids transfer across state lines to play with the best teams. Now they're going to do that for NIL. And so, you know, and the states are now going to fight for the best rules. I mean, in the beginning, people are like, uh, wait, wait, wait a second. This state doesn't have a great rule with regards to the university and the coaches and the, and the administrators are going to the state and saying, this is actually hurting us. The other question is, would the state ever enforce anything that they make if they get the greatest recruit of all time through NIL? Through a, right. That's another thing. When the state Supreme Court justices are the highest order of the state, uh, are, have all gone to Louisville, are, 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 they going to, <laughs> are, are they going to rule that a, that a violation was, was, was broken when the Cardinals get the best player? You know, I mean, that's the other thing. So, so, so you're going to see people hopping around to states. You're going to see states getting more lenient. Everything's going to be open. You're going to get to do everything. The, the one main question is, is the NCAA going to do anything? And do they have the power to do anything? Yeah, well, that's the question, right? What's what you say that the free market would mean the kids don't even go to school. But what is the regulatory body? And does the NCAA, does the Supreme Court ruling prevent them from playing any role as a regulator? That, that, that's the problem. Are they, are they just are they are they just an umbrella organization? And, and you know, over the years, they became the enforcement organization. That's how that they were defined. They were defined by being the enforcement organization. So if they aren't anymore, what are they? And and then you say, OK, what else do they do? Well, they run the NCAA basketball tournament. But is that really that hard? 
they run 89 other championships. So the membership of the, the, the schools are paying the NCAA $600 million a year to basically run 90 championships. You can get a really good event planning uh, a group to do that for about $10 million. <laughs> then it becomes, what are the schools paying for? Right. And, and is this the end of the NCAA? All right. Predictions five years out. Who's what's the number of the highest paid collegiate athlete? I mean, I, I think right now, I think that uh, Arch Manning is worth $15 million a year for the four years or no. Yeah. Fi- at, at least 50. Well, remember now you got to keep them <laughs> $15 million right. to induce. Right. And, and, and then depending on how good he is, you know, somewhere in between two to five million dollars to keep them each year i don't think this is sustainable right so you so the numbers will go up but the curve is going to flatten based on what i'm hearing you say agreed yes it is besides maybe the live tour and what's going on with the pga and the live tour i mean over the past year i don't believe what i'm reporting on it it is just wild it just it 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 is you know imagine if you have a professional golf league who comes up against the incumbent and doesn't care about money and just buys everyone. Imagine if you have these boosters. I mean, it's almost the same thing. It's incredible. It's wild. It's it's hard to grasp. And it's happening so fast that no one knows what's going on, including me. Okay. Besides pro golf and college sports, what's the next sport to be disrupted by money? Anything that, I mean, I think anything that has independent contractors, right? So like, you know, Tennis, tennis could could easily see see because if you don't own the people, right? If you don't really own the people and they can freely move around, you know, then those are the ones that are going to be uh, most susceptible to being disbanded immediately. So I think tennis would be the next one. Okay, but does that just close the gap between independent contractors and people who work for the NFL and have ten year three two hundred fifty million dollar contracts? Maybe, maybe. But but it's gonna it's it a business that doesn't make sense can only last for so long, <laughs> right? Open Sea right now is a ghost town. Okay, but it, so so even if it doesn't make sense, like you know, and even if if Live Golf is funded by the Saudis that have six hundred billion dollars, like at some point it's like, what are you doing this for? Ego. Like, 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 so, so, so that's my thing. It, when a business is not a great business and it's just, and it's just, uh, it, I, I think businesses figure itself out and, and businesses that are not a great business eventually fail. Yeah. That, that's why I don't think that, you know, maybe the conferences get into paying these kids money, like all the kids get the same money, but I, I don't think over time that, that these collectives can be jumping up from 20 to 30 to 40 million and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger because not going to make sense. Darren, that's a great point. I really appreciate your insights into this matter. It's uh, wildly fascinating and evolving quickly. Uh, look forward to seeing what happens from here. Where can our listeners and viewers find out more about you? You can find me on the Action Network where uh, we cover uh, these types of stories uh, and gambling. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Darren Rebell and Instagram at Darren Rebell. All right. We'll put links to those in the show notes. Thanks again for your time. Thanks so much. John Staten, welcome to Crazy Money. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Excited to be here and talk a little bit about NIL this morning. Great. 
John, you're the director of operations for Classic City Collective. What is the mission of Classic City Collective? So the mission of Classic City Collective is to become the first sustainable NIL organization in the country. By sustainable, we mean that we're not going out looking for donors to give us $50,000 a year to support these players. We're not giving $8 million deals out to these players. We're organically helping them with their NIL opportunities across all 21 varsity sports and all 540 athletes at the University of Georgia. We're trying to build a sustainable company to where we are organically creating these opportunities and maintaining these opportunities for years to come for these athletes. So break it down for me. How does it work? Where does the money come from and where does it go? So there's a, cu- there's a, there's a couple different um, avenues where the money comes. One is straight from donor to the collective, which then is dispersed to certain athletes depending on what they have done to earn that money, whether that's a marketing deal, whether that's a sponsorship deal, whether that's actually being in person, doing an event, things of that nature. Two is that partnership sponsorship side. We just signed a deal with Truist. We've signed a deal with prepaid technologies. We've signed a deal with various companies within Athens and within the Georgia footprint. And then three is the subscription model. So that's more of the the fans subscribing to the collective knowing that the money goes to benefit the student athletes and then it's dispersed uh, the same as, as a donor money would be as well. But the fans are, uh, you know, getting uh, an incentive for subscribing. So what, what kind of incentives do they get? Depends on the level of subscription. Um, I think our lowest level starts at $21 and our highest level goes up to $210 a month um, just within club categories. So I think the first one's called the Varsity Club and the last one's called the Heisman Club. Um, and you get mm. various things like, you know, meet and greets with athletes, discounts on the on the memorabilia shop, merchandise shop, um, hats, t-shirts, different things that you know incentivize the donor to come back and continue to give to you uh, month by month. And you you know, there's no limit on that either. If somebody wanted to come in and give a million dollars a month, we'd be you know more than welcome to that. Obviously, um, that, that, that's that's not fortunately, unfortunately what's happening right now. Come to think of it, I was wondering what to do with this extra million a month that was burning a hole in my pocket. Now you've given me a good idea. Yeah, I mean, somebody who loves the dogs and appreciates the performance on Saturday, if anybody's watching and they have that extra million, feel free. So you mentioned a few different corporations you're doing deals with. Can you give us an example of what, for example, like the truest deal might look like? What are they interested in? What kind of value are you providing for the for the, for the the customer here? Yeah, I mean, truest obviously is interested in the student athletes, one. Um, they're interested in their career at Georgia and then their career after Georgia. Um, um, especially on the football team, basketball team, and baseball teams. You know, we have a lot of people be successful going pro. You can even throw golf into that mix. Um, but what they're interested in right now, in the short term, is really providing them them proper tools to be financially, you know, be be financially aware, be financially literate, and understand, you know, the earning potential they will have later on in their career, and what to do now to protect themselves and learn about how they manage their money. Um, so they're coming in providing. Um, financial education courses for us, for all of our athletes. They're going to do it a couple of times a year. Um, and they, you know, they see great value in that. Not only because there's potential for athletes to, you know, go pro one day and have a good relationship with them and, and trust truest and what they do and their practices, but also for the, for the point that a lot of the people that don't go pro end up making more money than the people that do go pro. There's a lot of people <laughs> that are athletes at Georgia that, you know, end up being very successful because of what they've learned while they're, you know, at Georgia in school. And then too, um, you know, they learn a lot of life lessons playing sports um, throughout their college careers and meet a lot of really interesting people and carry those connections as well. How do you coordinate with the athletic department on where the resources go? 
So it's it's really determined uh, in large part by us. Um, the athletic department's pretty hands off when it comes to determining exactly where the resources go. Obviously, we are compliant with all of their guidelines. Um, you know, we, we're in constant communication with them. If things change on our on our side, they they know, and vice versa as well. Um, so that determination is really really made by us, um, and also made by uh, you know the athlete what they're willing to do, the time they're willing to put into it, the deals that they're willing you know are able to land that we help them land um, are also a big determination on that. What percentage of the resources go to football? Uh, it, it varies. Um, I would say, obviously, we don't have an exact number, but it's high. Um, but that, that's fair, right? Look at, look at, look at the revenue that, that football brings in compared to all the other athletic departments. I'm down with it. Um, it's not a secret that football funds, and that's just, you know, in many cases, people are more interested in the football players to do, for doing deals. Um, you know, I think that we've maybe had more women athletes, um, you know, do deals with us over the last nine months. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously you see the larger deals um, come for the football guys. What is a small deal or what is what is sort of a, a, a not well-known Olympic sport athlete, a swimmer, volleyball player? What what might they have to gain from the NIL uh, from the NIL practices and from Classic City Collective? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we provide them one, like we talked about with Truist, a lot of opportunities to better themselves um, before their time in college is up from a professional standpoint putting them in situations where they're able to meet people that are going to be beneficial for when their their career um, in the pool or on the track or on the baseball diamond ends. Um, but then two, I mean, they get to really be be active and connected with brands that they, they like and, and try to get involved in places that, you know, they, they want to be in. So for like, what's, what's your favorite spot in Athens? You, you had to go into Athens. Uh, I did not go. I went to Rhodes College. And that's the thing I want to talk about is well, where's the D3 money, John? Where do we get, you know, what's what uh, free free check cashing at the Brown Jug or free pizza from Miss Pat's for the Rhodes College athletes? What's happening in the D3? No, yeah. I mean, and listen, the D3 money, it might come, it might not come. But that's what I was saying. I mean, if you have been in <laughs> Athens, you're going to have a favorite pizza spot. You, you've had to yeah. travel to Athens before. Um, that's, that's what, the, that's where they see the benefit, right? If I was somebody on the track team and my name wasn't that big, but I had the Georgia logo on and I, you know, people, I was semi recognizable. I would go to my favorite restaurant and say, Hey, is there any way we can work out a deal? Let's create a, you know, a, a nice incentive structure. If I bring people in here to get me some free pizza. Um, and in any cases, it's, it's the little things that, that end up being the big payout for those athletes. But, uh, I mean, you really do see the top, the top one to two, three percent of athletes being you know the top guys in the football team top guys in the basketball team in many cases the top of the uh, you know the the female athlete at georgia uh, making the big deals you know i talked to darren Ravel earlier in the show about the transfer portal you had a pretty unique experience that you transferred from samford to the university of georgia and actually played on the national championship team how has the transfer portal improved your life well i mean i'm thankful for the transfer portal um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, you know, in my case scenario, I was able to use it to benefit myself. Um, you know, I, I walked on at Sanford University in 2017. I played three years there, earned a scholarship, had become the man I wanted to be. And when COVID happened, I realized that I had an opportunity to accomplish my my biggest, you know, goal that I had, which was playing under the brightest lights. And it just happened that I w- able, was able to have the opportunity to come home to Georgia and do it. Um, so it really worked out well for me. Um, you, you know, you had to time it right. You have to, you know, you have to be a resource, right? Just like, just like any company, just like any big organization, Georgia is looking for people that are going to help them. Um, they know that they can have an impact. And while my impact was not going to be starting at linebacker, 
Uh, I think Georgia knew that I had leadership qualities. Um, I was going to work hard. I was going to be, you know, good inside the locker room. And I had a lot of value to add on special teams. Um, and so I walked on to Georgia again and it all ended up working out. Um, and, you know, that's like you got to take a chance on yourself when you believe in yourself and and you believe in your abilities. Um, you, you can you can accomplish some really cool things. And it's been it's been fun uh, to experience that over the last five years. What has your experience as an athlete taught you about NIL that maybe is missing uh, from the from the media's coverage of the issue? Well, I think this kind of gets this gets a little tricky. Um, you know, I think one, it's that athletes don't necessarily and I don't I don't want to use the care maybe the wrong word, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not as important as people think, right? The winning football games, being with your brothers in the locker room, getting an education, having a social life, taking care of your family. Those things are still more important than NIL. Um, you don't go to Georgia for the NIL money. I hope you don't. I didn't, I don't think a lot of guys do. You go to Georgia to win national championships. Uh, and that, that takes a lot, right? It's a, it's a, it's a full-time job. You, <laughs> You literally get three weeks off all year. It's and you're still focused on it. Um, it's an it's you know it's a never ending goal, and you always want to be the best version of yourself. And that's what Kirby gets out of those guys. So I mean, those guys in the locker room aren't going in there and sitting in their locker after practice and saying, "All right, where can I get ten thousand dollars from NIL?" They're saying, "What do I need to do better on on this on this run scheme, or how do I need to you know have a better first read of the offensive offensive line to get myself in a better position to make the play on defense?" Um, the focus is still there, and I, I think. I think people don't really understand that. And I think it's really important to, to you know, show that the, these athletes are still focused on, on the goal at hand, why everybody shows up on Saturday, why everybody, you know, gives the economy in Athens and Clemson and in Atlanta for these Georgia Tech games, why, you know, why they're spending their money. And that's to see a good product. Um, I think these football players at the end of the day are focused on putting the best version of themselves and the best product on the field, just like NFL players. I don't think that changes at all. But we've read about, you know, these eight or nine million dollar quarterback deals at Tennessee and Miami. Do you think that at some point there will be jealousy or envy inside the locker room that could affect the product on the field? I think if you let it, uh, I think that's a big culture question. I think Kirby has done a fantastic job over the last two years creating a very dynamic culture, a very outward facing culture. You know, worry about your teammates. Don't worry about yourself. Um, and I think that's really, you know, been shown in the success they've had. But yeah, there's two things when it comes to those eight, nine million dollar deals. One, are they actually going to get the money? How is it structured? Are they going to stay for four years? What happens if they don't start? The other part of it is you're get promising this to a 17, 16 year old kid. You know, they could never play a snap of football on a college level. They couldn't handle, you know, it's a lot of pressure. And a lot of times people can't handle the pressure. We saw that last year um, with the Clemson quarterback at the beginning of the year with the NIL money. And obviously playing Georgia's defense didn't have, you know, wasn't the best thing for him. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I would never, ever, ever give a 16, 17-year-old kid $9 million to come try and play football when you know that you know you don't have the results given to you. So I think, I think that's also an interesting part of it as well. All right, John. Uh, I appreciate your insights into the uh, NIL issue. We'll end with one question. Dogs had a big victory over Oregon last weekend. What's your prediction for the season? That's a great question. This is my first live prediction. So I, I haven't really thought about it. I, I, I usually, I, I've been taking it week by week for the last five years. That's that's what they teach you over there. But, you know, I think there's a couple games that could get tricky. Uh, I think Florida's a good team, as you saw on Saturday. I think Tennessee is going to be a good team. Uh, they spread it out, and they move the ball around a lot. 
I think we're going to go undefeated in the regular season, and I think we're going to get into the playoff, and it just kind of comes down to the draw. I think, as you saw, there's two teams that are, that are uh, you know, in Tier 1 this year in college football, and then there's Ohio State kind of in Tier 2, but I think it's going to come down to Georgia versus Alabama again. Um, you look at you look at the stats. You look at you, you look at their daily schedule and what they do. Um, there's there's no surprise uh, why Georgia has been able to you know replicate some of what Alabama has been able to do. Uh, the schedule is a lot of the you know pretty similar day to day. The recruiting patterns are pretty similar. Uh, I think they're they're clear cut above the rest. So I think it's going to be another dogs versus tide matchup, and uh, we'll just have to see when that comes around who's more healthy. John, where can people find out more about C- Classic City Collective if they're interested? Yeah, you can visit ClassicCityCollective.com. You can also uh, go to our various social media links. It's Classic City CLTV um, on social media. That's across Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. So feel free to check that out. Be much appreciated. And uh, go dogs. And always remember to support your student athletes. They work hard and uh, you know deserve deserve what they're getting. John Staden, thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Hey, everybody, if you like what we're up to here at Crazy Money, do us and yourself a favor by following the show on your favorite podcast app and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Also, click the link in the show notes to subscribe to my new Substack, where you'll get biweekly thoughts on the role of money in our world and in our lives directly to your email inbox. Thanks for sticking around. We'll see you next week.